I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Junk Time Alpha Podcast, a very special interview edition this week. We're talking to the executive producer of the Amazon Prime series, Making Their Mark, Luke Tunnicliffe. It's going to be available on Amazon Prime on March 12, but we're also joined by Adam Rosenbachs. Hello, Adam. Mate, it was a very exciting chat and I love myself a sports documentary, so I am looking forward to getting stuck in with Tunners. And we've got a bit of information before we get on to the interview. We've got our live show, our live show on March 28, 4.30pm at the European Beer Cafe. We've got our special guest, Titus O'Reilly and Bob Murphy. Got back to you, Adam? Got, got back to you? I, text, I <laughs> texted him today and haven't heard back, but Bob Murphy, mate, he'll be joining us. I've put it on him. We've put it out there. If you see Bob in the street and you see him and you go, hey... I hear you're on junk time. He's doing and, very and well. He'll be like, oh, fucking yeah, exactly. So tickets. So that, um, that's going to be fun. The tickets are at trybooking.com. You can just type in junk time over there. And don't forget, we've got our solo shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I'm on from 25th of March until I think it's the 4th. Yes, Sunday the 4th of April. You, my friend, are on from the 24th of March. You're doing... One extra show because you love comedy. Well, I'm from the 24th until the 11th of April, so I'm doing a bit longer. Oh, yeah, I think... Are you? Who yeah. do you think you are? You're better than me. No, no, that doesn't mean a thing. Like, you can do 100 shows and, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just just a dude who... Look, I'm just a, I'm just a boy standing in front of an audience yeah. asking <laughs> them to love him. Um, so and as a bit of a special thing for Junk Time fans, you can get 10% off... Either of our shows, if you go to trybooking.com, you type in, what's the name of your show, Michael? Uh, Calm Down. Okay, I will calm down. And my show is The Unwellness Guru. If you go to trybooking.com, type in them in and type in the code word, low dog. Low dog. One word, low dog. And as you know, that uh, was shortened to its full form, but we thought we probably won't put that on the trybooking site. So you can get 10% off. So I'm starting on Thursday, the 25th of March. I've only got 11 shows. And of course, don't forget, it is limited seating because of a little thing called COVID. So you would want to get in uh, pretty quickly because tickets are moving quite fast. Um, cool. Okay, we're going to get on to the interview with Tunners. Here we go. Joining us is the executive producer of the Amazon series, Making Their Mark, Luke Tunnicliffe. Luke, welcome to the show. Oh, Chamber, Rosie, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Very excited. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, if you're a long-time had... listener, we know you wouldn't be on, involved in the show. I feel like we haven't had anyone from the corporate side of the, uh, of the game yet on the show, Adam. Like, by the fact we've had, you know, coaches and players and the like and people connected, umpires, uh, recruiters, but we've never mm. actually had someone in the, uh, in the nitty-gritty. No one from the production side of it. So this is a really, um, this is a peek behind the curtain, if you will. 
Hmm. And can I say, I've actually really been enjoying the clips that have been leaked out over the past few weeks. Like, I've been really, really enjoying them. Like, I'm really looking forward to this series. Yeah, so Making the Market comes out on the 12th of March. Now, Tanners, you were one of the EPs of the show. Tell us how, firstly, it came about. Did the AFL approach you? Was it Amazon off the back of the success of the test and just went, there is something for the Australian market? How did it happen? This probably came about, Rosie Chambo, probably five or six years ago, to be honest. We, we did the recruit, which you may or may not remember. Oh, yeah. It was a, a reality show to, to find an AFL player, and we put put one on the Brisbane list. He was on there for four years, so uh, that went so, pretty well. But So was that the influenced by the, um, the Channel 7 show that was the – was it the Hammerheads? Was that the name of that team, the Channel 7 <laughs> reality footy team? That, that's exactly what it was. Was it influenced? No, I can safely say <laughs> okay, it wasn't. But, okay. yes, it was, in, it was in the same genre. Yep. Um, it was probably, it, actually, it was very similar to the show back when, you know, when NXS tried to find a new uh, lead singer. It was a, a version of that. Okay. That was what Recruit got their inspiration from. Absolutely. That changed anyway, spot on. Guys, but, if you love 90s references. <laughs> it, uh, look, we had conversations way back then about, you know, as you just said, pulling the curtain back. And that's what the Recruit did at that level. We always, you know, we we're big fans of NFL, love. 30 for 30, hard knocks, all of those series that really yep. takes people behind the scenes of what it, you know, what it takes to make it at the highest level. And over the next couple of years, so we set about coming up with our own sort of AFL format. Um, the big streamers came to town and then we started conversations with Amazon yeah, over, over two years ago. So well before the test was sort of in the works uh, yep. with cricket. Okay. Um, we had further conversations with the AFL and then we sort of collectively got to where we are today. And then how do you choose the clubs? Do you approach um, certain clubs and say, hey, we're making this product? Did the AFL come to you and say, look, we really want expansion teams involved in this because it's such a good PR exercise? Were there clubs that said no? Uh, yes to that last question. Um, okay. But more, more to the point, we cast it really wide we went and spoke to a lot of clubs and a lot of characters because this, what this show is, for those that aren't aware, it's based, it's character based. So we follow six clubs, but more importantly, six storylines throughout an entire season. So the club, yes, that exists as a whole, but you know the six particular storylines we chose for a variety of reasons. And to answer your question about expansion clubs, no, it was more a conversation with Amazon about what they wanted in terms of the reach. We specifically okay. plotted each of the five different football states here in Australia. So to give everybody everybody the flavour. So for those that aren't aware, we've got the Gold Coast Suns, we've got the GWS Giants, Richmond and the Blues in Melbourne, Adelaide Crows and West Coast Eagles. So we've, you know, we've ticked five states. And so are you going having meetings in LA and saying, trying to explain what Australian rules is, or are you doing that in maybe an Asia-Pacific kind of area with Amazon people? No, Amazon, up until only recently, didn't really have anybody on the ground here in Australia, and only recently they've, they've started to employ based up in Sydney. But so, yeah, all of our conversations um, were had with Los Angeles and Seattle, and there was a real want and desire from Amazon to focus on sport um, within Australia and New Zealand. Um, they realised there's a market for it. 
And as we've seen in the last sort of 12 months, what they did with the test documentary series, which was just incredible, AD Brown and his team put together. Um, then you've got recently they've dived, pardon the pun, into, into swimming head first uh, and AFL. So, you know, they're trying to cover the big sports here and, and just get a legion of, uh, of fans into their ecosystem, which mm-hmm. is quite a large ecosystem being Amazon. So when you say that um, you chose the players that you happen to follow within this documentary, so you didn't go, we'll choose the club and then a storyline will present itself. You basically said, hey, we're going to follow Carlton. Let's follow Eddie Betts and everything that went on with Eddie Betts. You just happened to choose him and that stuff happened to him? Yeah. So from the outset, we had to devise a plan that strategically covered a lot of different factors within the game. And that could be a player coming towards their end of the year career, a younger player, a coach, an administrator. So we ticked all of those boxes. So we, it was almost in a way cast like a reality show, if yep, yep. I want of a better term. Yep, then sure. we, we honed in on those specific targets. Now, we so basically myself, uh, Julian Dunn from the AFL, Darren Birch from the AFL and Gil Marsden, our director. <laughs> Joffa wasn't present, but we we basically did a road trip around the country, met with all the clubs and then sat down with them all. And then, you know, we sat down with all the leadership groups and explained to them why it yep. would be a good idea for them to open their doors and let us in. You know, it needs to be a lot of trust involved in doing that over a seven-month period. Um, but luckily, we're able to get that. And so, with and someone like Stephen Cornelio, you're basically with him for 15 rounds, and nothing is really happening at GWS. And then suddenly, it's a, a form slump. Are you standing around Leon Cameron going, "Geez, Cornelio was shit on the weekend. I'd fucking drop him if I were you, blokes," just to kind of help the narrative? No, Rosie, I can put that one to bed. <laughs> Damn it! I think, I, I think it's pretty clear that we have no influence over yep. the selections or all the like. All we are there to be a fly on the wall documentary makers. Or if nothing happens, nothing happens. We're not in any way, shape, or form trying to 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 guide or push things along. We are literally there, standing back, just capturing whatever's going on at that time. And when you talk about being fly on the wall, what was the trust like um, from the start of the season when you first went in, and before you know everyone got locked into hubs and stuff, and then by the trust that they had in you in the end to go. These blokes aren't here to stitch us up. We actually, we get to know them now. We actually have faith in what they're going to do and the product they're going to put out. It certainly takes time. There's no doubt mm. about that. Um, you, once you get into a club, you, you know, we had, a, we had a team of five or six in at each club being a producer, cameraman, uh, camera person, Sando, uh, whatever else we had, two other positions um, that I can't remember right now. Um, and so those six people really had to, to, to get inside the club, feel a part of it. Yep. And early doors, you have to, it's slowly, slowly, slowly until you build up that rapport. And you know, I'll give you one example. I know that there was a particular player at the Crows that pro- probably was pretty vocal at the outset that this wasn't a good idea. Mm-hmm. And by halfway through the season, that particular player was best mates with our crew to the point where he wanted our crew to teach him how to shoot. And in exchange, he would teach our crew how to play football. 
So it's funny wow. how things turned, and that wasn't that wasn't an overnight thing. That was you know cumulative months. I suppose in some way, COVID probably helped us. I mean, when we set out with this way back in you know March, started shooting, COVID wasn't necessarily a thing at that point. Yeah, from where it got to, it certainly changed, and, and we needed to roll with the punches. And what it did was help our players, oh sorry, our crew probably get close to the players because they were around them even more when it came to hub life. Because can you take us through like, are we purely in the club or around the ground? Or are we going back into homes or anything like that? Or it's just really at the football club? We couldn't this year. Any you know, Again, what we oh, set yeah, out to achieve <laughs> you know, at the start of the year, we wanted to be inside homes. We wanted to go everywhere with them because of the COVID protocols. We were, we were pretty limited and hamstrung with what we could and couldn't do. So, you know, the most, probably the, the best access we had, I mean, game day access was still sensational, but the, the stuff in the hubs was, yeah, uh, you know, quite amazing. Do you think that uh, being in the hubs kind of sped things up in terms of um, incidents happening and, you know, players being around each other 24-7, like there was no escape from anything, so any, you know, kind of tension at a club would have been heightened and magnified that you guys were there to capture. A bit, no, like, yeah. a, um, I mean, a bit like a big brother house as such. Yeah, you know, I guess everything's so. Everything's magnified. Yeah. You're ran by, you know, a lot of people. No, ab- absolutely. I think, I mean, Richmond and Damien Harbwick have been on the record as saying they didn't necessarily handle the start of the COVID period that well, and it took them time to just, I think it's no secret West Coast, were the same. Um, so there's certain clubs that handled it differently. And I think what you'll see within making their mark is every club probably went in with a different mindset. Um, yep. Some wanted to get there and get out quickly. Others wanted to embrace it. So I think our audience will really enjoy the different styles of, of the clubs and, and the leadership around that. And how so are can you, you take us around? <laughs> Go more. I was going to say, like, like how many actual episodes is it? So it's like, you know, cutting between different clubs, you know, for a whole episode or do people have individual episodes or? No, it, it's seven episodes in total of which we cut around that particular time, each of the six different storylines. So mm-hmm. what you'll see is, I mean, what we wanted to be from the outset is this is the inside look of the 2020 AFL season through the eyes of six characters or individuals. Yep. And what do you like, like what time do you start filming? Are you filming from the moment they become footballers? Are you filming from the moment you see them down at the, uh, you know, at the buffet, for example, at breakfast? Like when do you start becoming the crew that films their footballing lives or just their lives? So we would sit down with them in the football club at the start of the week to get their schedule and we would map out what was important to us yep. as documentary makers. And when, when you're in the hub, it was pretty much everything. I mean, yeah, we, okay. we realistically shot seven days a week yeah, uh, because you're just there. I mean, there's nothing else for our guys to do. So it, you know, our guys had to follow the same strategic protocols, if not more, um, because we were also dealing with the Amazon international protocols at the same time. So, um, you know, our, our crews went into the hubs like the players thinking they were going to be there for 32 days and they yep. were there for four months. So, oh, dude. you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the players that had to adjust 
we had to really look after our crews, um, you know, physically, mentally, and otherwise, because it was uh, pretty exhaustive. And did any of your crews go to the um, Hollywood showgirls and then have a kebab afterwards? Anything like that? <laughs> I think I think the I think guy they got they straight back to that one. I um because I remember I remember thinking at the start of the year this is really awesome. I really want to look forward to watching this. And then when the COVID break kind of hit and what we didn't come back to about July. And then I thought to myself, oh, that's a shame. Like the Amazon thing would have been really cool. But then now actually I think the COVID thing actually make it makes it more interesting like totally you've, you've filmed like the most unique season in Australian rules football really it's what it's going to be is it what we think is going to be a time capsule in you know 10 20 30 years time that people yep, look back and go remember that year that was basically wiped out what the hell hmm. happened and this you know this seven episode series will give a, a really good look because the first couple of episodes clearly changed from what we thought it was going to be. Yep. So you'll see that the narrative in those first couple episodes is following the behind the scenes of COVID and how it was playing out, not just at club level, but also the AFL level. You know, mm. we, were, we were involved in all the, the Zoom meetings um, with the AFL heavies and the clubs and the Players Association. And I think, you know, having been as deeply involved as as we were, you sit back now and think, I mean, the AFL just did an unbelievable job to get a season away because the obstacles put in front of them were, were amazing. Hey, now, in terms of, like, uh, raw vision, so you're shooting um, six clubs and how much – how long are the episodes? They're hour-long episodes, is that right? Well, because we're with Amazon, which is a streamer, there's no guidelines, so we there'll be some episodes that are just over an hour. Okay. And the finale is probably closer to an hour and a half. So you're filming pretty much all day, every day, you know, following them in games and stuff. How much raw vision are we talking that you guys start with to edit it down to around, say, nine hours of final vision? Oh, and how much stuff do you just want to hand to us <laughs> just to kind of sneak onto YouTube every now yeah. and then? Some leaked footage that um, shouldn't be seen. There will be roughly, and I, I, I Stressed a bit roughly, but roughly two and a half thousand hours wow, was hey. shot to, to be distilled down to you know near on eight hours in total. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine the logistics involved in that. Yes. What when when do the players like the, you're following you know the, the club, but you're also following an individual, you know, and you've had these conversations, and I'm sure they're you know getting reimbursement and stuff. Like, when does the player just go? you film me for two hours, fuck off. Like, how do you work that in a documentary sense where they just yeah, go, like, I'm not in the mood today. I can't do it. Look, that, I think from the outset, you know, way back in January last year, when we had the initial conversations with these guys, it was, guys, this is all in. You're either all in or you're not. Um, and they understood what they were signing out from or signing up to from the outset. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they knew that, you know, what we off, we explained to them at the beginning, it's, you're not going to go through a season undefeated. Well, highly unlikely. There are, it's going to be a roller coaster. There's going to be times that you're at the bottom of the roller coaster and you do not want us around. We'll yeah. work with you on that. But it's also important that as storytellers, we're telling the lows. So yeah. 
you and the audience appreciate the highs when you get there. And I think, you know, Richmond, in my eyes, is, is, is an amazing study of that because they had what I think is an amazing roller coaster to, to see, season because there were, there were a handful of occasions that they were really at the bottom of the roller coaster and clearly they ended, ended at top. And that's why I think their, their storyline is yeah, quite incredible across the, the seven months we filmed. And how was and it for be- you guys when, say, something like, you know, um, Sydney Stack and Callum Coleman-Jones went down? Do you, did you guys go, right, we've got to – do we focus on Dimmer at this? We, do we leave the young blokes alone? Do we just go with the um, leadership group? Like, was that a chat that you had before you went in and filmed or you just go, just see where you can get and we'll see what comes of it? Look, we spoke um, day – well, many times a day to our teams up there in the hub. So – you know, we're really fortunate. We've got a great director in Gil Marsden and EP and Michael Venables. And they were, you know, communicative with our teams, as I said, multiple times a day. That particular morning, I remember clearly that it was, I remember getting a phone call at probably eight in the morning from our guys up there. And they said, we're in lockdown. We don't know why. We've all been sent back to our rooms. Right. They were going... They were just about to head on the team bus to training or a beach session. And they were all, you know, all the players were turned back whilst the club ascertained what had gone on. And, you know, the conversation wow. we had with our crew who were stuck in their room not knowing what was going on was, well, guys, when we do know what was going what when we do find out what is about to happen, you need to be ready to roll. Yeah. And, you know, we need, it's, it's about doing that respectfully and, going about it the right way again it's the trust factor um but it is capturing moments and they're moments that nobody outside of us because we're in there have got and were you in the actual hub itself up in Queensland? me personally not with our team yes literally living with with and inside with the players yeah wow the one episode i'm looking forward to seeing i watched the um uh, the short for it before is the Nick Nat uh, Riley O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know when he, he accidentally tweeted out that he was, you know, he thought Nick Nat was lazy and stuff. And and an innovation that I've seen that you don't really see a lot of in AFL, but you see a lot in NFL, is players being mic'd up on the ground. How difficult is that to do for AFL? Because you can't really have a bulky mic pack which can be hidden in the NFL padding. No, it's very true. It's look, it certainly is different than probably any other sport in the world. I mean, our sport is a contact sport. The fact that our guys can be hit from any angle makes it even harder. So we especially design little mics to fit inside the jumper. Um, And it certainly takes time. Like Nick Nat himself would say that it took him a while to adjust, not to the pack, but more so the fact that it's on him and his teammates knowing that it's on him. Yeah, so you're conscious Um, of it. You're yeah, conscious of. It. I mean, but but he said after the first couple of weeks, completely forgot about it. So it's right. those first couple of weeks, yeah, you know, probably in his mind. I mean, we're all NFL lovers. It is one of the highlights of watching oh. any NFL, and particularly Phenomenal. the NFL films that come out. You know, within the weeks after, yeah. hearing everything is something you don't do, or we don't hear over here in Australia. So I think we'll, we'll enjoy that, particularly. You know, grand final, uh, which is episode seven of our series, having the coach's box mic, but down on the bench mic, 
for me, yeah, it's right. It, it's it's probably the closest thing you're going to be to being inside a yep. game. Is is yep. our episode seven? And I think that's what all sports fans love is just getting inside that inner sanctum that you can never get near. And and you know, there's one bit where Stewie Jew is giving the players an absolute bake, and that's kind of the thing you're always like. I know they give sprays, but what do they say when they give a spray? And just, I can't wait to see it. Like, I really love these kind of dock-ups. Well, well let, let me, I, you guys are the big fans of questions without notice. I know that as, a, as an avid listener. <laughs> I'm going to throw a question without notice to you two. What sports docos, you know, have taken your fancy over the years? Oh, and well, it's, it's, it's funny by the fact that I, I always find it funny how sports docos, um, they always seem to kind of hit at the right time. Like you've followed Richmond, they've won the flag. You've kind of got that fairy tale story at the end. Um, there's a, a, a Adam will hate me for this, but there's a documentary called Wrestling with Shadows. Oh God! And it follows it follows Bret Hart, and there's a thing called the Montreal Screw Job, which basically transformed the world of wrestling from this is all fake, this is all fake, to this is all real, this is all real. So, so sorry, I tell a lie from. It's all it's all real to it's all fake, and they literally follow a guy who got got screwed over in 1997. Which um, and it was like just incredible that they, these people followed him for a year and then just ended up filming the single most like one of the most important moments in wrestling at the time or ever. Minor adult ones. Um, the Maradona <laughs> one. The Maradona one is quite is unbelievable. Um, Icarus. <laughs> the Netflix one is fantastic, and I think. Because it's a tragedy, but they do it so well. The four falls of Buffalo. So the Buffalo Bills, for anyone a non-NFL oh, fan, dude, yeah, made sure. four Super Bowls in a row and lost them all. And, and the humour which with with which they took it on and just yeah, owned it, just went, yep, we lost four, but we made four. That's a great achievement. And that was just just fantastic storytelling. And then there was that no, movie uh, Dodgeball. And then uh, Major League One and Major League Two. So they were two. I mean, that was stunning. That was stunning. But you got to watch the rest of them, man. It's actually like it transformed the industry. I I can imagine it did. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I'm a a fan of the, um, very much a fan of the F1 series Drive to Survive. Oh, yeah. As a, as a, a case study that's only been in the last couple of years that the anecdotal evidence with that would suggest that it catered because it was done so well. It catered for people that weren't necessarily F1 fans. So yep. it brought a whole legion of fans to the table, you know, male, female, that weren't, weren't fans that now love it because they pulled the curtain back so much. Yeah, and, do you, do you, you think know, we, now... It's taken a lot out of that. Do you think now that they've seen that kind of thing happen where it um, is such a great... Like the test is a perfect example of that. No one was ever allowed any um, cricket in a sanctum, but it gives people a new life on it. And so clubs and teams and sports will see it as a really good promotional tool. So you think it will open up, you know, things that were really closed off and just go, hey, here's a look inside something you never would have thought you'd like. Like if they did a, a doco about the America's Cup and following one team, I'm not into, I mean, I love my yachting. I love my Sydney to Hobart, but I would watch that. No doubt, no doubt. And that's why I think this is an opportunity for the game of AFL that this will appeal to people outside of the rusted on fans. Look, my wife, sure. Amy, is not a you know football nor sport devotee, but I 
forced to handcuff her to the couch to watch <laughs> seven episodes. And, and it wasn't a chore for her. She actually really enjoyed the stories and the people within it. And that's what I think that this can do for an overseas audience. I mean, this, yeah. this show releases on the 12th to 244 countries. And I yeah. really think that it's going to be the best vehicle the AFL's ever had because it's going to bring new people to the party, as we say, that just like a good story. And that's what this is. The one thing I'd actually would really love to see, and I, I know they talk about the shenanigans in the Olympic Village and stuff like that, but I actually would love to get a doco like this, like inside the Olympic Village, like the people who, you know, how you can they get that on uh, Pornhub, I, I know, mate. I know, I know, I know you can make your jokes, but like just the idea of like how people who, are, you know, there's literally a, you know, gold medalist sprinter, you know, in the sharing a flat with a, a, a rower or something like, and to get that idea of like what goes on in that, in that village with, you know, 10,000 people. And I'm, I'm not saying that in the, in the naughty way. I just like the idea of how they, they no, train and prepare in there. Yeah. I think it'd be amazing. So no, yeah. make that happen. Yeah, sure. Mate. Yeah. I'm, gonna, sure, I'm sure I'll be able to knock that up quickly, boys. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, the Olymp- Olympics are going to happen, mate. It's all fine. Yeah, no one's got COVID anymore. Now we're gonna we're gonna move on to one part of your life. So the doco comes out uh, March twelfth on Amazon Prime, and it's well worth checking out. Tunnels, we do really appreciate your time. There was one question I was going to ask you: How much of um, Stewie Jew's audio was unusable over him chewing all the time? But I, I believe <laughs> okay that we'll just move on from that. Now I think that's a breach of contract. <laughs> it is a breach of contract. He's refusing to answer that, but. Now, Tanner, you you I'll let me say he, he, I'll say he's a great man, and I think Gold Coast Suns, you know, have a have a ripper ripper in charge of their young program, and I fear for fear for clubs in the next couple of years when they get it together because they will because they've they've certainly got it. They, they're in the right direction. Yeah, well, there are a couple of clubs that you looked at. I mean, Gold Coast, obviously, you can see what he's doing, and you could see the players love him, but you just sort of saw something of a team that you're like, oh, I didn't think they kind of had this in them or they had this kind of drive to them. Oh, yeah. Yep. Adelaide Crows, I was pleasantly surprised. You'll laugh because they lost 15 on the mm. trot last year. Yeah, yeah. But I I came away from them thinking they've got the right people. They clearly need some more players and yep. clearly it's going to take them some time, but they're certainly on the right path as a club. And I don't think there was a lot of optimism outside of the club last year, clearly when you lose 15 on the trot. But, um, you know, Rory Sloan is just a ripper. He's, as a a leader, he really comes across really strongly in this. And Matty Nick's the same. So they were were certainly a surprise, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing the um, um, Sloan stuff. Yeah, I'd be quite fascinated by that. He seems like an awesome dude. Yeah. Very now, Tanners, before we let you go, now you are a TV producer, you're a radio producer, but you let me in on a little secret today that you were a member, you were in the Collingwood box, the coach's box for four years. Talk us through that. Where to begin? Straight out of school. <laughs> well, I should set it up by saying mad Carlton supporter for the first 17 oh, years of my life. You don't. Uh, you a Left. traitor. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> That's the there's, there's a reason, Chambers. The reason why I no, oh no longer God. have a family. Where's the doco oh, on that? They, they disowned me. <laughs> um, no, straight out of school, went to actually went to Carlton. Tried to get a job there as a seventeen-year-old. Yeah. They knocked me back. 
Yeah. So I thought, what's the next best thing I can do is kick kick the blues in the pills and go to the arch rivals. <laughs> went, went to Victoria Park and somehow managed to get an AFL traineeship. So started there as a 17-year-old. I'll never wow. forget my first interstate trip was a, an Ansett Cup game. Remember the mighty Ansett yeah, Cup? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was 17. We went to Perth. Uh, I t- we, we played... Uh, West Coast Eagles got slaughtered and then I wanted to go out with the boys after the game, went to the Burswood Casino as a 17-year-old. <laughs> they stopped me because I was 17 but looked probably 13. And uh, as luck would have it, my birthday was the following day. I was turning 18 literally the next morning. Yeah. And I had I had to wait till 12.01 for them to let me into the casino. <laughs> you out the front. Yep, Dude. and uh, awesome. went there. Yeah, no, I spent four, four years in the coach's box, two with Tony Shaw, two with Mick Malthouse. You know, an incredible experience for you know for the age that I was. So what are you doing in the box? I started out as the football technology assistant and the football technology manager. Quite extraordinary given I didn't really know much about technology, but uh, managed to bluff my way through that. For four years, and uh, look, you're in there. You do the the video and the stats analysis um, for the coaches, and yeah, probably one of the highlights of my life was the VFL at the time. I did the board for the late great Danny Frawley. Um, Oh wow! Was his magnet man? Yeah, great. And so yeah, I, I look back on those times really fondly now. What was it like working with Mick Malthouse going from, say, Tony Shaw, who was a new coach who kind of struggled through his tenure and then getting to Mick Malthouse who knew what he wanted and, you know, quickly turned that team around, like, from when he got it to and two it, years later playing in a grand final. And also a guy known for his sense of humour. So I imagine yeah. during the second quarter, he's like, you know, doing a few gags, still magic tricks. You, wouldn't, you, you boys wouldn't believe it, but he actually is a funny bloke aside from what you see. Yeah. Um, he is. And that it probably doesn't sit well with with people on the outside, but he, he is. Um, no, he he. Uh, I just think he come from came from such an environment, the West Coast, that were so professional. We weren't. We were trying to get to that at Collingwood, and yep. it took you know it took a long time to get to that position. And I mean, he took a team in two thousand and two to a grand final, and we were. You know, and Anthony Rocker kick away from winning the grand final. And that team was on paper an average team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's he he's a genius, I think. Um, I was lucky he called me back, even though I'd just finished and I'd moved to Channel 9 at that stage. Um, he called me back. So I sat in the box for the grand finals. And, oh, you know, that, wow. that was another Dude, amazing experience. No way. Have we got another half yep. hour? Like, can we talk about this? <laughs> Bloody hell! So the I actually sat 20... next to um I was I might get them the wrong way around, but 2002 I think was the year that Jason Cloak got rubbed out for the grand final. Yeah, and then Rocker mixed and mixed next one. Maybe the other way. Then then Rocker. Yeah, Rocker so the next year. Both those both those guys you know sat next to me uh, in the box and yeah I yeah I look back now and think you know, what would have been if if yeah. the ball sailed that way. I mean. We were comprehensively outplayed the following year in 2003. Um, the lines were just way too good. So that's footy. Matt, how exciting as a kid 
17 years of age, you're sitting in a box in a, on grand final day. Your head must have been spinning for those years. Yeah, it sort of happened pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I, t- I tell you, as a, as a blues supporter, Rosie, I forget the day that I very clearly had to change to be a Pies supporter. It was, it was probably a couple of games into the start of my tenure at Collingwood. So at this stage, I would have just turned 18. And I remember clearly it was a game at the G and it was before the new stand had been built on this side of the ground. So it was the old, old coaches' boxes in the MCC members yep. that sort yep. of looked out and you, you could open the windows and spray people from the box. <laughs> and I, I remember the Blues playing the Pies, it would have been eighty or 90,000 there. And Craig Bradley running down the wing, three or four bounces, Slots one from 50, and I'm sitting there next to, to Shorey and for a, a fleeting second forgot where I was and pumped my fist. And it was at that point when I remember Shorey turning around and he wanted to spear me out of the box in the middle of the MCG. That was the split second yeah. that I was never, ever to return to Carlton. No, that's for oh your own God. safety, mate. Dude, that's Correct. amazing. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's so great uh, to uh, have you on the uh, on the show. And it's also great to get a different perspective. Like, as I said before, we've talked about, you know, coaches, players, and umpires, runners, whatever. Um, but can we make sure that everyone gets uh, to watch uh, Making Their Mark debuts on March 12 on Amazon Prime? And um, I've got an account. So, Junk Timers, if you want to hit me up, I can give you the password <laughs> if you can jump in and you can all watch it. No, 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 no. Do not do that because yes. <laughs> it's very important to us that we get our KPIs. Yes. It's a very good point. <laughs> no, I really, I really can't wait to watch it. It's yeah, I'm awesome. looking forward to it. Luke Tunnicliffe, thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm telling you, I can't wait. I fucking love a sports doco. And watching those shorts today, the Riley O'Brien Nick Nat storyline looks fucking great. And they put out a thing today. I don't know whether you saw it. It was... Crouch at Adelaide. Yeah, Matthew Nick sitting behind Brad Crouch. They were watching. They they weren't two-way running, the Adelaide Mm, midfielders. mm. And he said, if you don't want to play two ways at the Adelaide Crows, he said, get your boots, Mm -hmm. put them in your bag, and leave the club. Walk out. And guess what? Uh, Crouch is no longer playing at the Adelaide Crows. No, but also uh, when he said put him in your bag, Crouchy didn't know what kind of bag he meant. He went and got a $300 bag uh, of the streets of Adelaide. Hey, wait, 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 wait. No, we can't. We can't. Can we? (laughs) I mean, he got busted for it. We're going to hit the road. We are Junk Time AFL Pod at Gmail, <laughs> Twitter, and Facebook. I think that's and in the wait, wait a second. Wait a second. We got Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, yep. and the gram. <laughs> Get hooked. Go Blues.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.